All right, Peltero Pickle, episode 96. We've been busy. Chris and I have been on the road a ton. I want to tell you a little bit about what's been going on before we get into the show. So Chris and I traveled a bunch in July. We were in Lake Charles, Louisiana. Uh, we were in Birmingham, Alabama. We were all over the place. We were doing combines, national combines with the New Balance Future Star Series. We did an event with the WBSC up in Birmingham. Tested over 500 athletes. It was a really good time. Got tons of really good data. We've got more data coming up with them with their main events in Frisco, Texas at Fenway Park in Arizona, I believe at University of Arizona, and then a little Caribbean series, which would be nice. I think that's in the Dominican. So a lot of stuff going on. We've got a lot of data stuff happening uh, on the show. We had our first successful processing of a, a vertical jump through video, which is huge. Big day for Pelotero Corp. Uh, just a lot of really good things going on, doing a lot of testing that we're starting to talk about from a game tracking standpoint. It's got some really fun stuff going on. So, I mean, we've been grinding behind the scenes, a lot of effort, a lot of, uh, a lot of late nights and some pieces are coming together. Really excited about it. But uh, it was a really good episode today. Chris and I just kind of just riffing back and forth about approach, a lot of stuff with um, just understanding timing, understanding that dynamic between the hitter and pitcher. We talk about pools, Ali Rutschman, advice for college kids. Chris goes on a big rant about the, the Derek Jeter docuseries, which is a must watch according to him. So really fun episode. Got a lot of really fun stuff coming out. Uh, we also have a new podcast that we're starting for the strength and conditioning world. So it's uh, to be named. We, don't, we haven't picked a name yet, but we're going to start recording episodes next week. So really excited about that. And um, also doing a lot of new stuff on social, doing some breakdown clips, just uh, getting active on on Instagram and TikTok. So I uh, would love to hear your, if you have any questions or topics, shoot them out. We, we want to hear from people and we're really, really looking forward to um, having a product available. We've been grinding. Really, we've, we've been through some stuff trying to get this out and there's a lot of pieces coming together right now. So it's pretty exciting times here at Pelotero. Uh, excited to have you along for the ride and let's jump into the episode. Pelotero Pickle, episode 96. Before we get started, a reminder, send us your questions and topics. Twitter at Pelotero Pickle or send us an email at Pickle at Peltero.com. I stumbled over that a little bit, Chris. Not so much in a flow there, but that's all right. How are you doing this morning? We, we haven't we haven't been going. I get it. It's fine. We just need to get back in it. Um, it's I'm, not written down. It's not on the show notes anymore. It's assumed that I know it. 96 episodes in, I should have it figured out. But well, still it's, struggle. it just is what it is, man. It's a tough one. It's a, it's it's a, a double at. I need to, I, it's, it's a, a double twister. at. If yeah. I say send us an email at... Pickle at Peltero, then I that's when I throw myself off. Oh, yeah. And you send email to Pickle at Peltero. That's the moment in time. Recurring theme. And I, I feel it. I see it. I hear it. I'm good, Bobby. I need to I need to be better. Anything you want to talk about before we get started? You got you got sleeves off. We know you've been working out. Yeah. You're taking your I, shirt off now. No. Uh, this you, is, a little, uh, you had a call with a former teammate. You had a little Zoom with a former teammate. You said, you said your triceps were popping. Yeah, my triceps are big. I mean, it's you just tell is story? what it is. You an opportunity? Nope, I don't want to tell it. I'm going to be, you told it, so that's me being humble. I, this is my wake-up garb today. 
I just, uh, I woke up and went. So, no collared shirt today. Not dressed yet for the day. And I got to lock in. I got to play in the old-time game tonight. Yeah, tell us about that real quick. Yeah, I'm playing in a game called the... No, it's called the old-time game. It's not called the old-timers game. It's like a thing they do in Boston every year. You know, you know who plays in old-time games? Old-timers. Old-timers. Did you see but, Billy had like a heart attack in the Bananas game the other day? No, I Speaking did not. Speaking of old-timers. That's crazy. Like he played, I did he watch... played in like the... <laughs> like it already like came out, and then I saw a picture of like EKG stuff set up on his chest. Little well, known fact: I hit a home run off Billy in a celebrity softball game. Good for you. Oh, I thought you were going to say a baseball game. Three. No. Little known softball. fact: it was for the Concord Quarry Dogs. Uh, the funny thing was the the kid before me, Barry Chamberlain. Shout out Barry Chamberlain, my teammate at Vermont, same birthday as me. Um, he hit a homer before me, and then nobody gave him a ball. So he pitched his glove to me. His first, the first pitch, he just threw his glove because nobody gave him a ball. He's like, nice. "I have a ball. Give me a ball." <laughs> so I thought Billy, the ball was in the glove, and he was like doing a trick, but he just threw his glove. Yeah, and then you took him deep because you felt like he disrespected you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Bill Lee pitched a Can Am League game against my team. Uh, I had a broken hand at the time, but he went three shutty and almost got a hit too because they hit him. Um. And he beat us when we needed the game to get to the playoffs, which was kind of wonky. Um, it, it's funny. The the Bananas just did a, a ESPN thing. They have a ESPN Plus uh, documentary, documentary series thing. coming. And in episode one, they have Bill Lee on there. And I, this isn't funny. It's ironic. But Eric Burns is now the manager of the Savannah Bananas, and he's perfect for that role. And... He, they were worried about Bill Lee's health and Burns said on the show this isn't being mean like like are we worried about him dying on the field and then he was like well that's probably where he wants to go anyway and I thought that was inappropriate but at the same time like completely on point like because it's true yeah well like, according to according to Twitter he's Billy is good to go ready to get back on the field it's very. It's a classic Billy. Like, yeah, I'm gonna go have a heart attack on a baseball field and go back out there. Like, he'd be the guy. There was a story at one point. Some guy in like 1908 got struck by lightning and then he got up and pitched the next eight innings or something. Yeah, probably and got Billy. two hits. Billy is cut got, from that cloth. Probably got two hits right after that too. You know, it's it's you know grinder mentality. Get kicked in the teeth, you get back up again. Do you think Billy loves baseball the most? Uh, so I, I heard, in and I think this was on the docu series too. The way his career ended, in Major League Baseball. So it wasn't necessarily he got blackballed, but it was a he went and yelled at the GM basically because one of his teammates had gotten plunked or something like that. And I don't know all the details of the story. I'm sure I could find them out. But he said after that moment. Um, he was never going to refuse an opportunity to play baseball. So he said if somebody asked him to play baseball, he was just going to say yes. And that's kind of led to 30, 40 years of him appearing on every he is, field he can. He is a true journeyman of baseball. Yeah. And so do I think awesome. he loves the, do I think he loves the game the most? I mean, he's up there. I, you know, it's hard to categorize. He's a one percenter for sure. Yeah, there. I think it, it was just a different time, and if he doesn't necessarily love 
earthly possessions, so probably didn't have much urgency to, you know, get a job. And now he's got to be getting pension. I think he's probably close to 10 years or over 10 years. So not that pension then was huge, but I'm sure he's okay. You know, he gets paid for know, like some. Some people, do you think he has a manager or do you think he just fields all calls himself? I, I, I would love to just call Billy to be like, hey, we want to do something baseball-wise. And he'd be like, yeah, give me a flight. I'll be right there. My best guess is what do you he's think, got... What, what do you think that process is like? He's like, yeah, my, I'll be there. My <laughs> best guess is he's got like a dial-up phone, like uh, the, the, the like ring. Like rotary? Yeah, the, yeah the, the old ones so you can pick up the thing. No, Or, or Zach Morris's cell phone from Saved by the Bell. One of those two. And uh, yeah, I mean, if he was like a super tech guy, he like all the latest phones and stuff. That's yeah, he like, gets it. He awesome. gets into it. I did an appearance with him. Technically, I went to an appearance that he was at back in 2005 or 2006 when Getty went to one. And he loves talking about the game. I think that's what he was meant to do. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. <clears throat> so you get your game tonight. Are you nervous? No. Nah. I think I'm more ready to hit now than I've ever been in my life. Because I, I have zero attachment to the results. And I just assume I'm going to hit a homer. So, so let's uh, let's get it. Because we've been, uh, we've got a little, we're a little stealth project that we're working on. We'll start like, we're going to have to talk about it because that's what we talk about a ton now. So, speaking of not being attached to results, I've been watching a lot of Juan Soto at bats lately doing some tracking, getting some metrics that are interesting. Uh, when he just misses a pitch that he thinks he should hit a home run on, when he fa- if he fouls it back, he looks up in the right field stands and like like he's watching the ball that he just hit. That's pretty good. It's awesome. Like he hits, he swings, and he's just like, he's admiring his almost home run. Outstanding. And also when he gets out on a tough pitch, he like smiles. He's like, nice, that was a good one. Like there- he appreciates the difficulty of the game and he's like nice that was a good pitch i like that one it's has amazing. there ever Love has it. there ever Everybody been a player that. that was more prepared to play in the big leagues at that age than juan soto like man when i say prepared i mean from man, just he the, is impressive 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 when, impressive when you can do when you can take ownership of every action you make in the batter's box in the major leagues I used to get nervous thinking about what an umpire would say to me, what the catcher on the other team would say to me. So for the whole first year I was in the big leagues, I didn't do the things that I normally did. Even something as simple as turning around and asking the umpire or telling the umpire that that wasn't a strike, which is like one of my favorite things to do. Just turn around and be like, that wasn't a strike. And, and then just turn back around. He does it with such normalcy when he was 21 and and i i think this goes to the maybe not knowing betterness of being young and then you just do it and then you did it and then people start to respect you because you're authentic which is i think cool i think that's super cool that's a great quality to have as a young player it's uh i would say it's like owning your identity it's it's knowing who you are and just trusting it and being good helps. That's we can't just skate over that. Being yeah. like he's really, really good. So he can do things in the box. If he did the little Soto shuffle and he was hitting two twenty, probably wouldn't play. It wouldn't be very cool. So I think success begets cool. Well I've been 
I've been having that conversation with young players, and you can see it in their eyes, and you can listen to it in their voice, and you can hear it in every sentence they say. They're just, they're not confident that they can do it, right? They're not, there's there's a shadow of doubt somewhere, however big or small, that they can't, this might be the level that they can't get it done at, you know, whether it's college or minor league baseball or whatever. And if you just make it as simple as I have a game today and I'm going to play the game and just detach completely from where it is or who you're playing against, the game gets significantly easier. It's it's just a baseball game. There's like I'm playing a baseball game tonight the same way I would play in a baseball game in the major leagues. And you just got to kind of remove everything around you. It's not really all that easy because, you know, you spend your whole life trying to get there and you think about the money and the implications and all that stuff, but Soto does it, so you know, why not everybody else too, but yeah. so one of the things that I've learned watching the games and just just watching a lot of baseball, but watching it in a way that's kind of new which is fun uh, panicked, we, t- we talked about this last night uh, panic late swings shout out DJ LeMayu, he is the most unpanicked late swinger in baseball, in my opinion, he just chill. He doesn't change his swing. If he swings and misses late, he can hit. The thing that he does a ton is he hits just rockets foul, and he's like doesn't care. He doesn't panic when he hits. <clears throat> when he hits a ball foul sideways, he doesn't get nervous. Joey Gallo, when he's late, he freaks out and he tries to get the barrel head out front, and it's like, it's amazing watching his at bats where he's so susceptible to hard soft and he's so susceptible to up down it's just it's amazing like guys will throw three pitches down and he's like go he's gonna throw down and then they throw it up and he's swinging way under it because he's trying to lift the the low pitch and then if he's late 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 they just throw him a breaking ball and he's just wildly out in front if they get him thinking early he like his brain shifts front to back side to side so much like he he lets the pitcher condition him well, Does that make sense, funny. that wording? Like it's he, funny. Yeah. he allows the pitcher to dictate his process and his timing. It, it's funny when you watch that now. It, and <laughs> to having, having an objective perspective at all of it, I see all those things, and I would have loved to have known them about myself, right? Yeah. It, where you just Rich Gettman said to me one time, Rich said to me, swing it at every pitch like it's its own pitch. And I didn't really get it because I was always in the cage. I remember we were in, in – um, the velocity in the back cage that one day. Do you remember? It was uh, Matt and Mike were there as well. We were like, it was 2006. And I would like miss a pitch under and then I would get, I would overcorrect. And he's like, you're always swinging. You're swinging at the pitch that just happened, not the pitch that's happening. And I was like, I, I kind of get it. But then in the context of a game and, he, and Getty coming from a catcher's mindset, He's paying attention to that. He he's he knows if the guy was early or late. He can feel that, and that's part of what he's doing, calling a game. It's just it's wild to see. I think watching the Dodgers games, those hitters are so good at. You can tell that they know what pitch they want to hit. Brandon Crawford did a, a Giants game recently. Brandon Crawford is awesome. Like so obvious that he's looking for a pitch and a speed, and he just takes otherwise. He doesn't try to hit everything. It's just. He's, and to me, that's being professional. I think the classic major league player that hits 
that people would consider like he's a he survives. He's just like a survivor in baseball. They know what they need to do to be to survive. They know what they need to do to maintain the level of success they're having, which is why it's so scary to make changes because they're like, well, I know what I can do. If I try to change that, I could be in trouble. The elements that make hitters great to me are the ones that, and I've been talking to different organizations about game planning a lot lately. And it's so clear when people game plan and they're not prepared for the game plan. And it's very clear when people are in the game plan and they know what they're looking for and they feel totally confident otherwise. Now, that being said, I still have a massive problem with guys taking fastballs down the middle. And I see it in hitters who probably don't have a fundamental understanding yet of understanding how to look for fastball down the middle. And it's, it's, I guess it's six of one, half a dozen the other, right? Because you can say to yourself, okay, I have this plan. You have to learn how to hit the fastball before you learn how to hit anything else, right? Like you can't, you can't just be, oh, well, what if he throws a breaking ball? Well, you don't know how to hit that one either. And by the way, 70% of the ones the guy's gonna throw are gonna be nasty in and locations that he wants you to swing at versus locations that you're gonna swing at as opposed to the crippled breaking ball in the heart of the plate. And so, because the cripple breaking ball and the cripple changeup become, they're, they're pitches that if you're on fastball timing, theoretically, your your swing path, and this is where good mechanics can help you, should allow you to stay in that zone a lot longer, even if you do get fooled. So like a lot of times, people would ask me, they would go, oh, are you sitting slider there? And I'd say no. And I, as a matter of fact, most of the cripple breaking balls I hit in my career were times that I was swinging at a fastball and that I, the pitch just wasn't as devastating because it was kind of hung or at the top part of the zone. And it was a fastball that I wanted to swing at that I recognized late that it was off speed and then I just made my adjustment within my swing. And I think that's the way mechanics should help you, you know, if that makes any sense. Where early in my career I could yeah. do that. Yeah, the fastball down the middle is interesting because how about this you look at it from the pitcher's perspective amazing how many times are like clear auto taking fastballs and then they throw a breaking ball like next pitch they're like oh let's stick to the game plan instead of being adaptive to the situation they're just like little robots that are just oh he put down a curveball so i'm gonna throw a curveball when the guy's clearly looking off speed yeah that's why if a guy auto takes a fastball he's either a gangster and he doesn't care if he has a strike at all or he was strictly looking off speed and if, <laughs> it's crazy it's crazy that, that that's LeMahieu's early count takes a lot of the times and I've I've talked a lot with uh with Casey Smith who is, has a really good relationship with with DJ and there was this there was a stretch probably about a month and a half ago where he started really going and he goes yeah I just don't swing until I get two strikes because he's not afraid fouls a lot of pitches off he fouls a lot of pitches off there's so much you have so much time right and you don't we don't give ourselves credit for how much time we have if we move well and there's a there's a bunch of contingencies like if you if you're a good mover and you have really good depth of stroke 
you can you can handle everything and more often than not you just you set some parameters for yourself of where the ball is going to get released at and then you make decisions off that because you're like okay well if you release it here i know it's going to be a ball and if you release it here i know it's going to be a strike or whatever and then you can make late later decisions on whether you're going to go or not and how you're going to foul stuff off and that's how you eliminate exposure to the off-speed stuff with two strikes but you just have to be really disciplined at setting the top part of the zone and saying i'm not going above this you know yeah it's uh yeah as we go through games and as we're logging things it reminds me of <clears throat> going through the, the process of studying swing mechanics and I've said for a long time the best way to learn about the swing is to break down video and do comparison clips where you have to find the sync frames and you can get creative with the sync frames like I'm gonna go off contact for a fastball and curveball and then I'm gonna go off pitch release for a fastball and curveball and you see the differences you look for different styles you go on first move you go on you, you can get really really creative with how you're doing stuff, doing fastball inside versus fastball outside, up in the zone, down in the zone, looking for body differences. It's it's a process that I think, like we're going to be getting a ton of information, a ton of data that's new, that doesn't exist. And the way that we're going to be able to slice it and dice it and create insight is going to be unreal. And I think one of the things that, is going to be most powerful is the opportunity for players to start tracking games themselves and and putting in the work because if you don't like we watch games and i think i said to patrick before we start recording like it transforms your brain when you watch games this way and you you pay attention to the right things it shifts your brain in how you see things and it it's like the game is different now and i'm i just turned 39 like i'm I'm in it. I've been in it for a long time. And my perception of the game is changing rapidly over the last month just looking at games like this. So it's really like you got to put the work in. If I, I can tell you the difference in the swing, but if you don't put in the work, it's like, like anybody ever asked me anything about the swing, like I've seen the video. I know I have a rebuttal to what you're talking about. Like I can give you the video or you can just listen to me, but I have the rebuttal. So I've put in the work, but what I see on social and a lot of kids that are trying to like pick up on stuff they just they're doing what people tell them and they're not putting the work and they don't have ownership of it so that's the part that I'm I'm most excited about about working towards is giving kids ownership of it because they're the ones that needed it it doesn't it, I it doesn't matter what I have unless I can share it and give it to people and same for you like we have to be able to give it away and, and let other people own it I told uh, I told the college hitter the other day <laughs> the the whole year for him specifically has been all things considered pretty good right he hit really well at school hit really well in the summer ball and then at the end of the year it got wonky right in the playoffs and just it, it felt like he was in survival mode like after his good stretches during the season he was in survive mode and I, I hate when guys get in survive mode because they're just trying to hold on to a number that they created that they think is theirs. And so it becomes this irrational search to try to maintain the number that they're at instead of just attack. And I was talking to 
I was talking to a big league hitting coach about how important it is to just be in control of the at bat, right? Be in attack mode in the at bat. And it's really cool when you see a guy that's an alpha on the mound and a guy that's an alpha in the box and they're just going to go duke it out, right? And it, I, I think of, you know, early, you know, prime Cabrera against, you know, a, a, I guess prime CC Sabathia or something like that. And you got two guys who just aren't going to back off each other. And in a lot of ways, I just wish I had I'd viewed the game like that. The challenge is, like, when you get to that new level, you're you're, you're holding on to something, or you haven't, an, you're you're scared to get your ego hurt, or you, you want to impress somebody, and and then it becomes more about doing things to look the part, or what in your mind is going to help you survive looking the part, as opposed to just getting in compete mode and going and attacking, and it's. That's why it's as simple as let's just make it. There's a game today, and then I'm gonna go do what I can do today, and then there's gonna be a game tomorrow, and I'm gonna go do that separately. And it's it's really interesting because then you hear stories about certain big league hitters and how their perspective just shifts a little bit based on a day's gone by, a week's gone by, a year's gone by, and they're a little bit different player now than they were a year ago for whatever reason, whether they had an injury or they they're fatigued from a long season that's been emotional and and it's true when people say the baseball season isn't hard because it's physically hard it's hard because it's emotionally hard it's hard because it's mentally hard and the more you can detach from that stuff when you're away from the field but still sustain some growth mindset within it that's like the perfect blend i think where i the more i i think about it and conceptualize it the, the i think the closer i get to pinpointing what's what it really is we had a pretty cool conversation recently about Mike Trout. You you were you told me the story of you were talking to a college player about Mike Trout about like he's going to be thir- hitting third in the lineup, right? Or whatever wherever he hits like if he's 0 for 10 is he still batting third? Yes. Why? Cuz he's Mike Trout. If he's 0 for 30 is he still batting third? Yes. Why? Cuz he's Mike Trout. If he's 0 for 50, if he's 0 for 80, like at what point do you take Mike Trout out of the third hole? And then the question that I think came out of it was how many outs in a row do you need to make before you start losing confidence? Yeah. Because if the, I think, uh, shoot, I can't, I can see his face right now, but I can't, who's the, the catcher journeyman catcher that we had on the podcast. I'm sorry. I forget his name. Kratzy. Uh, Kratzy. He was like, if you think you're bad, then you're bad. Like nobody else knows yeah. you're over 20. Nobody else cares. They're worried about themselves. So if you're over 10, does your confidence start to slip? If you don't get hit three games in a row, are you starting to stress? At what point do you stop becoming good in your own brain and start doubting yourself and start worrying and then you start tinkering and then you, it's like bad rabbit hole situation. Yeah, it's and, and everything is about perspective, right? Can you shift your perspective to say, oh, for 10 just means it. I'm about real to. Quick, uh, real quick breaking news. Sorry, just had a successful uh, ROM AI video completion. Pretty excited. Yeah, nice. That's huge, Ooh. huge news. All right. Keep going. Kratzy. Um, yeah, yeah. Keep going, sorry. <laughs> this just this encapsulates our relationship. You're, <laughs> well, you're, you're, I just got a text from our project manager, She's, and then the developer is like, hey, do the test, run it again. I'm like, all right, let's go. So you're talking, telling stories. So I process the video. You're, it's all good. Your excitement for when tech works and 
Golly. And it's right, it right, like right, rightfully so. We are a sports tech company. Your excitement for when tech works is like off the charts because you know every detail that went into it. And I just look at it and I go, oh yeah, it's a website. The button should work. It's that easy. Yeah, as an end user, end user shouldn't care about any of it because it should work. The end user is only going to complain if it doesn't work. So the fact that that just worked, I'm, I'm, like I'm smiling right now. I don't smile that much like this. Yeah. All right, we're gonna test another one. Keep going, Kratz. Yeah. Being good. So over twenty. But no yeah, one cares. it. it <laughs> Kratz, he's funny. He. You know, he. If we if we just have good perspective as hitters, that the game's hard and it's supposed to be hard and you're not supposed to get hits, then you can turn 0 for 10 into I'm gonna go 10 for my next 20, right? It, it, Edgar Martinez had the quote like, it's just it's just how you view it, man, and it's that simple. I, and I just wish we could get everybody to view it in a way that it was a little bit cleaner and clearer. But, but, at the same time, I've been doing that a lot lately, but, but, and being very deliberate about it, I don't know why. You know what Steve, you, Steve Blinn does, our advisor? He goes, by the way. He drops yeah. a lot of by the ways. With the, the, the but at, at, the end, at the end of the sentence, it's always at the end of the sentence, not in the beginning of the sentence. My, 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 my but, but here is you still have to want to be a savage and you still got to want to rip people's heads off and get a hit every time because if you don't then you're not you're not pushing i don't think you're push, pushing the threshold of uh of what it means to be the best you you can be right and but the ability to think that way and then as soon as it's over just okay on to the next my next opportunity is coming when I played like that, I had so much freedom. I had so, I had so much more fun when I played like that, you know. And I wasn't worried about what my last at bat did or said. I was worried about any given moment in time. Love it. That's a big. I just processed another one. And success. Oh boy, this is huge. Big deal. We got a big deal happening today at Pelotero corporation all right let's keep moving great i love this conversation like i could talk about approach for a long time now all right let's move on because i could talk about this stuff forever but my guy my guy not Ferbs, not coach for dj Ferbs, but albert pools is he's on fire right now on he's more on fire than he's ever been in his life which is saying something because he's old he's older than us and he's still hitting pumps in the in the show He's just he's electric right now. He's having a pretty good season. He was going lefty specialist, but now he's just hitting against everybody. He's player of the week last week. He's just he's he's awesome. He's my favorite ever. If you take a guy like Albert Pujols and you change his motivations and incentives to be at the field every day for whatever reason, I don't care if he's 57. This dude is going to post like he is gonna show up and he's gonna rake because it never goes away. It, it getting old and hitting is not a thing. It's not. It's really not because the older you get, the more knowledgeable you become, the more aware you should be. It's just a matter of what the driving force is that's taking you to the park every day. If the driving force is 
you recognize like with Albert, he's probably seeing the finish line and he's going, yeah, you know what? I'm going to put the best version of Albert out on the field every day. And some blend of that. There's a, there's a, I think there's a lot of factors. So he had some personal stuff going on in the beginning of the season that it's personal stuff that when you're breaking down video of a player and you're like, Oh, he sucks right now. He might be injured. He might be literally going through a divorce. He might like, you don't know what's going on in that player's life. That can be affecting them. The Cardinals are winning. Goldschmidt having an awesome year, triple crown threat. He's like subtle triple crown threat. Um, Arenado's having a great year. Good energy, good vibes. And I think potentially like he's in the mindset and with the energy of the room, with winning, I think that might have stoked some memories. It might have taken him back turn back the clock a little bit into some old brain patterns. What I see him doing, like he used to always do like, like click, 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 click. Yeah. Like he used to have like a little wiggle, 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 and then barrel tip with his body posture. And I see him doing that now. And I don't remember seeing him do it with that flow. He's using a leg kick now. I would imagine he's doing that because he kind of needs to, because he's getting older and he needs to, he needs to get some create going on. But boy, is he synced up right now. It was awesome. See. He hit a homer on a pitch six inches above the zone on a on a fastball at his neck, and just and watching the stoic Albert come out of the box holding the bat with Big one, one hand. Stiff. That was in the oh, seventh. Oh my god! Zero zero game in the seventh. It's so games cool. that matter. Watching Albert, I saw somebody uh, somebody tweeted like, "I feel like I'm I'm back in my childhood watching like peak." Peak pools like it, him in a in a Angels uniform never made sense. It never looked right. Uh, it's just so nice to see him back in a Cardinals uniform doing it well. Seven away from seven hundred. I mean, he's got to come back for another year, right? Though, I mean, just based on performance, not even not even talking about the seven hundred. Like if he's having fun and he's enjoying the game, we might get to see him another year. I wouldn't be upset about it. Obviously, I, don't, I think another off season. Pujols is the kind of player that he's timeless, man. You just—it's it, funny because I feel like so much of Cabrera and Pujols, their decline has been around the circumstances that they've been in. It hasn't been around. The bodies are just and, falling apart. Well, their physicality, like because they're bigger dudes and they've never been super stealthy. Uh, they carry a lot of weight. Stealthy. Yeah, they carry a lot <laughs> it's a of weight. A good way to now. say slow. <laughs> no, I, it's a good way to say fat. I mean, like they're they're, they're both hefty. Um, let's put it that way: heftier than they were for significant periods of time. And again, when when the paychecks are clearing and you're going to be remembered as one of the greatest to ever do it, your first ballot, like what, like what's left? What's left? What do you have to do? You know, is it seven fifty-seven or whatever the number is, or you know, uh, it, it, and those numbers, it, it, you know, <laughs> it's like the whole, you know, shoot for the the moon, you miss, you might, you'll be amongst the stars. It's like, am I shooting for one one in homers and one one in RBIs and those things? Like, it does. Those are very insignificant. I think when when things get clunky, when you have some injuries, you deal with some pain, suffering, you're playing with teams that aren't winning, 
I can see how you just kind of, yeah, I'm hitting 278 with 12 this year. I'll just pack it in. It is what it is. And, you know, Albert had productive years for the Angels and nobody even noticed. It's just, he got West Coasted the same way Cabrera got Detroited. It's, Detroit hasn't been relevant since like 2013 or something like that, 2011. It's, uh, it's, it's sucky to see guys like that play on teams that aren't competitive. Because if, if you put those guys in the right environment, the dog will come out, man. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good change of scenery. And I, I really I think he's just tapping into old memories at this point, just feeling like himself again, I would imagine, which yeah, is incredible. Pretty awesome. Which is incredible. Really good stuff. Uh, Adley Rutschman, just the uh, – he, he's like – Leader extraordinaire as a rookie, just leading the Orioles to a turnaround. They're really close to being in playoff position right now from a team that was supposed to be rebuilding. Pretty awesome to see. Uh, fun. There's energy in, in Baltimore for the first time since, what, like Cal Ripken's been there? When was the last time Baltimore's been good? Uh, they had a couple early 2010s years where they were okay. It was the Adam Jones, Manny Machado – Steve Pierce. Steve Pierce had a postseason, but they Steve never got past Pierce. the first round. Never got past. Did they make the, first the playoffs? Round. Yep. They actually. I remember Alex Anthopoulos telling me that one of the reasons why he wanted to create good culture in Toronto going into the 2015 season was he saw Baltimore celebrate on his field, and he hated it because he's like, it looked like they actually liked each other, and I, I can't speak highly enough for that stuff. It's. It's not tangible. I, this is a this is a point I'll make, and and it was something I was talking about last night with a uh, an insider. Teams, teams that win in the big leagues early. If you if you're able to win early, it masks a lot of the problems that you have as a, as an organization, especially if you're in a big market, right? Like so, if you take. If you look at the Boston Red Sox last year versus the Boston Red Sox this year, that they have some similar team structures, gaps, whatever holes to plug or fill or whatever. But last year they started out like ten and three, versus this year they started out one and nine or whatever it was, two and eight, something like that. And it's amazing how the early perception of a player like makes you go oh or a team makes you go oh yeah he's still good and the first month of the season can make you be like oh yeah this is yeah you're fine and then those gaps get covered right so if you think about this year if if you ask 90 percent of the industry what kind of year is jd martinez having they'd say he's having a pretty good year and now you'd look up and say like statistically it's probably the worst year he's had in the last other than the COVID year it's probably the worst year he's had in the last five, six, seven years, right? Well, the crazy thing but, is he was hitting, he was hitting correct. 360 through May. Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. So that's the whole point. Like, people are quick to, to jump on the early season trend, and that's what you think you are. And then before you know it, it's very similar. Like, you could look at, there's a bunch of other guys who have, have flipped it around, and you look up and they're hitting 320, 330, and you're, and you're going, wait a minute how's that possible you know and it's just 
the holes, the holes in teams. And that's why the Orioles are kind of sneaking up on everybody because they were just bottom dwellers at the beginning. And I think the Rutschman thing, yeah, you get energized by a kid like that. And it's got to speak to his leadership qualities a little bit. But he was a winner in college, man. That's like what he is. He's a winner. So how much does it directly reflect on him? I don't know. I'm not in the clubhouse. I don't have a pulse of the team. I don't know anybody over there. So I give a ton of credit to the manager. uh, Yeah, there's been multiple times where he's – like coming out to the the mound after a game, he's just smiling, and it just seems like he's a good he's a good vibes guy. That's fun's impression. infectious, man. Fun's infectious when you when you create. There's a Mike Trout effect when uh, remember the when when Mike Trout was a rookie, they they were saying how like he was coming into the dugout so many times, giving high fives and like energy boost. It's like it was impossible not to like him because he's just. Every time you see the guy, it's like he's uplifting. He's giving you more energy. It's pretty awesome. Uh, pretty awesome guy to have in clubhouse. Excited to see him moving forward. Uh, a lot of guys going to college right now. Top advice for athletes moving to college for the first time. Assume that your freshman year is going to suck no matter what. Even if you're going to UCLA and you're the best player ever. You're just... It's new, man. You just gotta. This is like the perfect example of just letting, like, be yourself. Just fit into the mold that is the team, right? However that looks. Like, just be an asset to the team every day. And that doesn't necessarily mean you have to get three hits. Like, you just gotta go and be and learn and just learn and understand that there's gonna be a lot of new different things that happen in your life and that you have to you know you have to be ready to adapt to your environment but also just aware that like it's not going to be perfect you know and you have these impressions in your mind of what you think you're supposed to be and where you're supposed to fit within the infrastructure and just go embrace it and and try to enjoy it as much as you can because it's going to be hard and there's going to be challenges and you know relationships things like that it's and then by the mid, midway through your sophomore year you'll you'll be good it's all going to work out <laughs> it's that simple um yeah you know. <clears throat> unless you're Bobby Tewksbury and you're freshman all america or whatever you were well you know well you know uh I think a lot of that was I figured it out late in the season and got hot. So um, I would say don't panic. Trust yourself. My freshman fall, I, f- I mean, I forgot how to play baseball. It was I-, I couldn't hit a ball out of the infield. There were guys throwing in inner squads that I felt like the pitch was infinity miles per hour. It was just the ball was getting on me so fast. They're commanding both sides of the plate in ways that I'd never felt before. There was a kid that was like – considered to be not the hardest thrower and he buzzed me inside like just dotted me up inside corner and it felt like it was 98 i was like i had no i had no chance to hit that pitch and i felt like i was pretty good hitter at the time capable of hitting that competition and it was it was eye-opening and there was there were moments of doubt and there was moments of kind of fear that were like man i don't know if i can do this um i specifically remember first conference weekend we played Stony Brook. It was freezing and it was like, it was cold. And I just said like, look, just play fast. Like don't play tentative. 
play free, play fast, like move, go, trust your instincts, go. And I went like six for 11 that weekend, just was moving. Like it felt like the game wasn't speeding up on me for the first time. And it was literally, it was a decision. I didn't change my swing. I didn't, it was what Bobby Max talked about. Like mindset can change your performance. And I just decided I, I wasn't gonna, I was I, I would always write, get yours, play big in my hats. I was, I was always one of the smaller kids on the field. So playing big to me was like acknowledging my, what I felt like was an insecurity of mine, like not being big, not being strong, not being the athlete on the field. And that I was going to play big. Like, even if I'm not big, I'm going to play big. And it was just a reminder in my hat. So every time I put my hat on, I would see it. And it was just, just a way to get myself to, to just trust in me more. And I think that's important. And the other advice that I always give college players, do not be the guy carrying the backpack on a Friday night. You're going to go out, you're going to make bad decisions. Don't make horrible decisions. Like be smart about what you're doing. Don't be an idiot. If you're carrying the backpack on a Friday night, you're not going to the library and everybody knows it. So don't be that guy. Go hang out. (laughs) You're going to have your fun. Just don't carry the backpack because you're going to get yourself in trouble. Don't make a decision off the field. Take you away from the field. Yeah, I mean, the, the, if what's most important to you, that's what you have to decide. Like, if it's if baseball's most important to you, or if your sport's most important to you, then your sport will be the most important to you, and then you'll make decisions off that. Uh, I, for me, I was hitting a buck eighty halfway through my freshman year, and I'm running out there every day, making errors, just embarrassing myself. And I got, I got benched for like a, a game at the back end of a doubleheader. And then he sat me the front end of the doubleheader the next day. And those were the only three college games I think I sat. And it was a blend of, I kind of just let go of all the bullshit that I was holding on to. Like, like it mattered what I had hit before that. And it was like 60 at bats to that point. And then I got a little pissed too. I was a little bit pissed. I was that perfect, uh, perfect blend of urgency, nervous, uh, angry, and wanted to just fight somebody and like what like what am i doing i know i'm better than the other guy why am i sitting on the bench and at the same time i relaxed so you said play fast like when you when you you got to get the game to go slow right so you got to do whatever the game whatever you need to do to get the game to go slow slow your heart rate down slow your breathing down don't get too caught up in any given moment just play It, it's about, for me, I think it was to stop thinking so much and just play the game. Like let, literally let, turn off your con, your conscious brain, tap into the subconscious brain, just play. Like when you're playing well, you're not worried about stuff. You're not worried about failure. You're not worried about what your coach is going to think. You're just playing the game. You just got to go play the game. Zen flow state, man. Zen flow state. It's yep. a beautiful place. We should coin that phrase. By the way, speaking of that, Zen flow state and phrases and coining phrases. I watched the, the rise and fall of and one on uh, Netflix last night, and those shirts were super cool. The first, like, they started as like a t-shirt company that, that had like trash talking on the shirts, and everybody wore them. Like everybody wore them. Will Smith wore them in Fresh Prince. 
like they were showing places where their shirts were showing up and like main completely mainstream you know the, the one the one was like your game's as ugly as your girlfriend or something like that oh like god and they had the the big like they had, it was the the avatar of the guy that was like super yoked with no face and he was just holding a ball yeah and one was cool Sorry. i don't know how we got to and one there but i remember and one was it Marbury that was doing one? Who's doing? Yeah, but the, he broke his ankle as soon as he wore the shoe. He signed, signed That's a ten-year deal with N One, and broke his ankle. And one of the players said he was going to take a video of Marbury throwing the shoes in the trash, and they were like, "Oh no!" And that's when they went the street ball route and really gained all their traction because they they opened up a whole new segment in the market for they made street ball famous. Really, they they just made basketball yeah. much more, you know accepted yep. all right chris you've seen the jeter doc right doc is it a docuseries or just a doc what is it series yes yeah, seven so we patrick and i talked earlier neither of us have seen a single episode let's hear your sales pitch on why we should watch the jeter doc well it's ironic that my it's a it's ironic that in the last three years my three favorite players of all time all have their own docuseries i.e the last dance Man in the Arena and the Captain. Weird. That's weird. How my three favorites all got a documentary. I mean, maybe there's somebody listened to me, or I'm not the only one that thinks that they're the best players on the planet for a reason. It is required reading for every individual athlete that wants to play a sport at a high level to watch all three of those, because when you see into the teeth of what makes dudes great. It's all the stuff that we talk about here. It's all the stuff that we we hamper on. And you're talking about three dudes who are able to do it at age 17, 18, in a way that nobody else ever has. And look, you could say all you want about, you know, they, they, well, they were different. They were 0.1% percenters or whatever. Other than Jordan, we're not talking about the most talented guy in the room, right? Like, we're not. We're just not talking about the most talented guy in the room. And my my argument is that those dudes built armor better than anybody has ever built armor before. And Jeter had very singular focus, uh, learning how to deal with a mass market, New York, the stuff with A-Rod, the, the stuff with his social life. You got to be impenetrable to not get affected by stuff that you hear from the media in New York. Because, oh, by the way, I just had a conversation with another player who plays in New York and, you know, it, 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 oh, okay, have you ever dealt with the media in New it's York? Hard. You got to be honest with yourself first you got to be okay with being you in the eyes of the media the fans your teammates when you go there with an agenda or with you know i don't know this false pretense that it's going to be easy or that you know you've got it all figured out like you're screwed you're done and you can't be great if you do that like the humility that these guys have to understand that the game is going to kick your ass on any given day. And Jeter even said it. Like, his first year, he wanted to quit. That's how hard it was. And then go figure, like, fast forward 
three years later and he was already in the big leagues. But, I mean, I'm more impressed with the stuff about Jeter that, that when, that when their, his first playoffs, he wasn't even playing. He just sat there. He watched. He was in the dugout. And the way Showalter talks about, you know, what his, what he was doing in those moments is incredible. He was top-stepping guys to give high fives. He was, he was vested in the team winning, and it was about winning. It was about winning. Everything to Jeter was about winning. It's the only thing he focused on. Everything to Jordan was about winning. Everything to, to Brady was about winning. Make it about winning the game. The competition is the game. And you can res like, you can affect people around you. You can resonate to people around you if you stay consistent, regardless of the circumstances. That shit is powerful, man. I'm telling you, like, if every team has that guy, we'll see some special stuff in the game. We just don't have that guy very much anymore, and or at least or at least until they blossom into it. You know what I think is a major issue with that, and this will lead into the the final topic is what what one baseball thought questions on your mind, specific to hitters since we talk about hitters a lot. Um, I think it's really hard to create a measurement system that allows you to look at game performance the way that we can currently look at practice performance. So there's so much focus being put on practice performance right now and not game performance. We're not using the game as the measuring stick right now and well, with why? social media and with social and with social media right now there's so many kids that are they're they're more concerned with getting a dopamine hit and they don't think it they don't think this way but they're they're chasing a dopamine hit from posting a video of an exit velocity instead of trying to win those I, I made a big list the other day of the things that like I care about and things that is really like driving me um, one of the phrases that I came upon was earned opportunity. Like I love earned opportunity. Just fires me up thinking about it. Um, the, the concept of games not being the measuring stick is an issue because like I get accused of being too serious sometimes like baseball wise, I think the most fun you can have is winning. So yeah, I want to have a good time. Like when it's yeah we're hanging out practice whatever there's downtime go ahead laugh have fun but like when it's time to work let's work because i'm more concerned about chasing the win and competing in the game than i am with having fun in practice like i have no problem with having fun but the thing that's most fun is winning so I, th i'm going to work towards that versus like doing things that look cool like when i get so mad about kids wearing shin guards because you're not facing tough pitching, you're wearing it because it looks cool and it's making you slower, which means you're not helping your team win. It drives me crazy because like you're more worried about looking cool than winning. And the thing that you feel by looking cool is less than what you feel when you win. So you're chasing the wrong thing. Walt Weiss said it to me at breakfast last week or the week before, whatever it was, the scoreboard has to matter. If the scoreboard doesn't matter, what are we doing? Like, it doesn't, we're not even, I've played on bad teams, and it's miserable, dude. Going to the field is miserable, and playing for yourself is miserable. Deion Sanders said it, primetime, the guy who is the most, I probably electric, you know, social media meme that was, like, out there when we were 
when we were kids, if it, if it existed, he would have been all over social media. The dances, the bandanas, the the flair. And he goes, you better have something bigger than yourself to believe in or to, 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 to play for because you'll quit on you. You will quit on you. It's easy to quit on you. If you play for everyone around you, the, like it's different. The scoreboard will force you into situations that you've never you've never faced before the, the the anxiety the intensity the the emotion and it should take you to different levels it should take you to places that you've never gone to before and it, like it's yeah man it's the the game the game is about winning it's when you make it that everything else goes away struggles go away but when you're too caught up in your own stuff it's it's hard man it's too hard to play and i wish i just wish i had had that perspective and it like it resonates people see it people feel it they can touch it they can't quantify it but they can touch it you know and that's the part that there's a reason why you know people want to call tom brady a system quarterback people want to say Derek jeter oh well jeter wasn't as good as a rod Okay, cool. Like, here are my rings. Do you want to look at them? <laughs> That's such a tremendous like. Like, hey, here's my, here's my here's my hardware. How much do you have? You know. Oh, system quarterback. I I'm on my second hand. Like, is anybody else? Is there a better rebuttal to anything? You know. Oh, like, you're not the most. You probably weren't even the most talented shortstop of the big three cool like my hand is is too heavy i can't even hold it up i have five rings on it sorry and and i loved what jeter about the right I, things i loved what jeter said about like wanting to say i told you so that was one of my favorite parts of the whole thing i i lived my life off i told you so like and you don't even have to say it who is he did he did he mention anybody specific there was one clip that was floating around social about like i remember your name or something to that effect I'm so I was so consumed by the thing that I I almost didn't even care to be honest with you it didn't it didn't matter to me it like but it was like coaches you know teammates like people that didn't like when he got drafted there he was talking about you know he didn't go in the for what it was the first five picks he went sixth or whatever it was to the Yankees and he hadn't even thought about the Yankees who were his favorite team um he, and he lived for the I told you so moment. He lived to do it in front of other people. I felt all the things that he talked about. The beauty of playing for the Worcester Tomatoes for me was the fact that I got to do it in front of people that mattered to me every day. You want to talk about like why you get the nickname Red Light? Because you want people to see you. You want people to be there to share in your experience. People that you know care about you. Like, There's no better feeling than doing it in front of 70,000 passionate fans who care. Playing in Toronto after not being in the postseason for 20 years was incredible. Like you were changing people's lives. It's seven years later and people talk to me like that moment was yesterday. And I'm sure it'll be 17 years later and people will talk to me like that moment was yesterday. I talked to fans in Toronto, they said it'll never be like 2015. Like that's the shit that dreams are made out of, dude. And I can't tell you, like, being that emotionally vested in a game, 
it's incredible. And to be able to do that as a as a guy like Jeter, to be able to do that day to day without fail, right? Because it was about winning. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Any other? Do you have any other other, uh, other number one baseball thoughts or questions on your mind right now? I have a lot. Pick one. I have a, I have a lot. I'm I'm obsessed with trying to explain what it means to be on time to people right now, as a hitter. Like I, it's I I have an obsession, and I'm gonna add to that. I'm mad at every young hitter on the planet that tells me they can't do something. I'm mad at all of them because what do you mean they tell you they can't do something. So, like, if you talk about from like a swing and understanding the swing perspective, right, and understanding how your swing plays in game, I like I'm a big know your audience guy, right? Like, know who you're talking to, right? No, like, know who's standing in front of you at any given point in time, and really, if if you don't have to like do a Google search on the guy or the person but you have to understand who they are and have enough feel for the moment to be able to say, okay, like I know what this person's experiences are. I know what they've gone through in their lives and people that want to tell me they can't do stuff. I just don't even like, it's not even a thing. And especially if you've known me for a while, there's, there's no, I can't in my vocabulary, right? Like, or, like especially if it comes to changing your swing and changing the path of your career and understanding how to enact thoughts that you have in your head oh well i don't really understand the swing i can't do it i can't well i can't do that (laughs) excuse me what like i went through a full overhaul in the course of one off season about understanding how i looked at the baseball swing and how i took baseball swings Full overhaul. I was as ingrained as anybody's ever been. Knob to the ball, squish the bug, take the hands down. Like, like, and I I broke it because I wanted to. So if you want to do something, you just do it. If you want to do something, just do it. Like it's not it's it's that simple. Just figure out the things that resonate to you that will help for you, and stop like looking for help i'm not saying don't look for help don't ask but like ask the right questions not how do i do this hey would you what did you feel when you did this because i feel like crap looking for help is good looking for an opt-out is bad like looking for an excuse to be able to not do it or or alternatively looking for the way to do it right like hey give me the magic pill dude it doesn't exist i can tell you what worked for me make this resonate for you. I'm not saying you got to do it today. You don't have to do it tomorrow. But if every day your life is spent trying to enhance that thing, then better off for it. It's good stuff. All right, take us out. (sighs) On that note, here's a bicep pickle out.